we move into week three of our Choose Your Character series, we're about to see and hear a conversation that Jesus had just a few days after that party where he entered with the donkey and the palm branches were swaying. And this is a private conversation that he's about to have. It's almost like we're eavesdropping, only Jesus intends for us to overhear it. And once we realize what we're hearing, what's actually taking place, when we figure out that we're the ones being talked about in this conversation, these words can bring us so much comfort, especially at a time like this when so many of us are facing situations that are uncomfortable and difficult and even scary circumstances all around us. How many of you could use some comfort right about now? Go ahead and hit the like button if you would, or use the comment section and say, yes, please, if you could handle something to bring comfort to your heart and mind and soul right now, right there in your home today. Now, the worship team wasn't wearing pajamas, but with Andy, I suspect that many of you are. And so, since we're talking about comfort today, I want to use the camera magic to join you in wearing those jammies. And now that I'm more comfortable, we need to remember that the comfort that we're about to receive from Jesus and from his word, right now, it's not just physical, like a comfy pair of jammies and a safe spot on the couch. It's emotional. It's relational. And yes, the comfort we're about to receive is deeply spiritual because Jesus himself is about to pray for us, for you personally, in fact. You know that feeling that you get when someone says, I'm praying for you, and you know that they really mean it? Somehow, it often brings even more comfort when they pray out loud and you're able to hear the words that they are asking God to accomplish on your behalf. In fact, I want to encourage you to do something this week that I'm trying to do more often myself, and that is when you're talking to somebody and they have a need, Rather than saying you'll pray for him and then do it later, take a moment right then to pray out loud because as they hear what you're asking God to do on their behalf, hearing that prayer can bring lasting peace and comfort in their heart even before they're able to see God's answer in their lives. And that is what Jesus is about to do for us right now. Let's listen as he prays out loud in front of his disciples, with the words recorded by John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit himself so that we could hear what he's asking on our behalf. He's in the upper room on Thursday. He just told his 12 disciples that are with him that in this world you will have trouble, but in me you can have peace. Now, the very next verse in John chapter 17, verse 1, he says, after this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And as he continues to pray, he first prays for himself and then he prays for those 12 who were present in the room right there and then. And then he prays out loud for us. Hit pause if you need to, grab your Bible, and out of respect for God's Word, I'm going to get just a little bit less comfortable. 
And I'm going to continue standing in honor of God's word. You can too, if you're willing. And I invite you to read out loud together with me what Jesus prays out loud for us. We'll be reading from John chapter 17 and verse 20 through the end of the chapter. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, and that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. I invite you to join me as we pray for a moment before we dig in. Thank you, Jesus, that even as we're praying right now, you are interceding for us. Thank you for the gift of letting us hear your prayer for us 2,000 years ago, and for the confidence that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, are still working in us and through us. Would you allow us today to become God's answer to your prayer? May your prayer and your word bring us comfort today and every day as we get to know you more and more until the day that we see you face to face. And all God's people scattered throughout all of northern Michigan and around the world in hundreds of different locations today said in one loud voice, Amen. You know, the character that we're looking at today from the story of Jesus' prayer is you. We've already seen the insecure and the doubter as they interacted with Jesus. And today, it's you that gets to be the character of focus. Or at least it could be. Because if you look in verse 20 that we just read together, you see that Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone, just those 12 that are in the room that he's just finished praying for. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. The fact is that if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you are believing the good news of the gospel that you heard, preserved by those 12 witnesses and passed down for generations of God's people throughout the ages, then you are a key character of this interaction with Jesus because Jesus was praying for you. If you're not yet a believer, then you can choose to become this important character in the interaction with Jesus today. And keep in mind that this chapter, this is entire chapter is an intense prayer between Jesus and his Father. And it's full of super important truths. So I encourage you sometime today to read through the entire chapter at least once. But for now, let's focus on Jesus' prayer for us and how we can choose to be God's answer 
to that very prayer. As we dig in, we see a, a summary of Jesus' prayer requests on our behalf. We get to read his prayer list through the words that he uttered out loud on that day. First, we see in verse 21 that he asks for the unity of us as believers, that we would be as close to one another as God is with his own son, Jesus. That even in our current situation of social distancing, that somehow we'd be able to experience the relational and spiritual connectedness as one with each other that Jesus has with the Father. Also in verse 21, we see the next item on his prayer list, that he asks that the bond of our unity would point people around us to Jesus. That we'd be so inseparable for one another that others can't help but to see it as a supernatural work of God among us. The next item on his prayer list, in verse 22, he asks that the glory that he had begun praying for, that the Father would give to him, that he would also be able to pass on a reflection of that glory to us, that it would shine so bright in us that the people who are far from God who see us can't help but see him shining bright in a dark world around us. He then he goes on to the next point in this prayer list. He says, he asks to live inside of us so consistently and so thoroughly that our love for each other would reflect his own love for us. Quite literally, Jesus is praying that we would love like Jesus. And that it would be obvious and visible and, and undeniable in the ways that we're loving one another and that people around us couldn't miss what's happening inside of us and between us. And don't miss this prayer request because it's not one that probably any of us gathered in all of our different locations today have thought to ask for ourselves or for our loved ones. This prayer request is especially true if you're concerned that COVID-19 might perhaps take your life or threaten it. In verse 24, one thing that Jesus is asking the Father to do on our behalf is for us to go and be with him where he is and see his glory. What does that mean? Simply put, he's praying for one of two things to happen. Either the end of our lives would occur or the end of the world would occur so that we can meet him face to face at last and be where he is next to the right hand of the Father. Make no mistake, Death is not the end. For followers of Jesus, it's just the beginning. That's when we get to finally see him in all of his glory. That's not something to fear. That's something to look forward to. It's also going to be a direct answer to Jesus' prayer for us. You know, if you're not a believer today, that probably sounded stupid you might be thinking, that makes no sense whatsoever. I can't even understand what you're trying to say, Pastor Jason. But understand this, Jesus understood that the world, those living without faith in him, wouldn't be able to get it in verse 25. And the reality is that even as believers, we don't fully get it either. We don't know and understand all of the things that Jesus tells us are true. 
but we do know Jesus. And that's enough. We don't have to know everything else. As Jesus continues his prayer for us, and the next item on his prayer list in verse 26 is that we would know God the Father through Jesus revealing him to us. And that we would grow in our understanding of him on an ongoing way, day after day, so that no matter what is going on in the world around us, no matter what is happening to us at any given time, Jesus uses it all to show us more of God. And then, uh, the final item on his prayer list, that no matter what, Jesus is always going to be with us. He's living inside us. And he promised before and after this prayer on our behalf that he would never leave us or forsake us. And now he's praying in the knowledge that he will keep that promise no matter what's going on around us. Now right now, some of you might be thinking, okay, so I see and I hear the words of Jesus that he's praying on our behalf but that's not what's happening. That's not what I'm seeing going on in my life and in the lives of other believers. You might be thinking, I I can't possibly call all the things that I see happening in the church unity. You might be thinking, it doesn't look to me like everyone in northern Michigan, let alone the entire world, is wowed by this amazing love coming from God's people. Most people don't even seem to notice at all what's going on in the church And some actually think that the church is full of a bunch of judgmental jerks, not supernatural love. And you might even be thinking, I believe I'm going to see Jesus when I die, but I'm still scared to death of this virus. And I'm not feeling entirely comforted by the fact that Jesus is praying for the day that I would go to meet him face to face. So what's up? If there's power in prayer, then certainly we'd see results when Jesus himself is praying, right? Did God actually say no to his perfect son in the request that he's giving on our behalf on this day? Or maybe you're coming to the conclusion that this whole Christianity thing is not something to believe in after all. Because if Jesus is praying according to Scripture, if it's true, then he's obviously praying according to God's will. And if it's God's will, then it's going to happen. And so if Jesus is praying for God's people to do some things, they're going to have to do it, right? Or else something is wrong in this book or my understanding of it. Now, I'm not going to take a deep dive today into God's perfect will versus man's free will. But we do have to dip our toes in this water a little bit for at least two reasons. Number one, we won't be able to understand what's going on in this prayer without understanding at least a little bit the relationship between God's perfect will and our free will, let alone be able to understand our role in this prayer and making it come true. Number two, there's lots of people who use this very issue is caused to reject the God of the Bible completely. 
the thinking goes like this, and, and any reasonable adult has thought through this at least in, in some level, and that is that if God is all-powerful and all-knowing and loving, then there shouldn't be so much evil and suffering in the world. There shouldn't be things like child abuse and viruses that threaten our lives. And if the biblical answer to that is that human sin has caused bad things to come into the world, then an all-knowing God would have known and should have prevented those people from doing those bad things. And I can't follow a God who would allow that kind of suffering in this world. But the thinking then goes on to realize that if no one ever did wrong, we'd have no choice. We'd be like pre-programmed robots doing whatever it is God destined us to do with no say in the matter whatsoever. And, and any reasonable piece of person would also be thinking that if that's what God did, then that's not love. That's not freedom. And I won't follow a God who acts like that. So how can we come to an understanding of what's going on here? in the interplay between God's plan and our will. Because we can't understand how God can be all-knowing, all-powerful, and loving with a perfect plan, but still give us free will. Some people refuse to believe in him at all. But the truth is, if we could fully understand God, he wouldn't be God at all. He'd have to be small and infinite enough for us his created beings, to be able to make him fit in our minds, in our image, rather than the other way around. The fact is, if you can fully understand your God, then your God isn't big enough because he's no God at all. And now, people smarter than me can probably understand and therefore explain better than me uh, how free will and God's will can somehow work together. Uh, but let me try uh, to have you imagine, as a very crude Im illustration of what's going on here, that you're about to play a game of chess. And across from you, your opponent is a grandmaster with an IQ of 200. And so as you play the game, you have complete free will to make any move that you want, any time that it's your turn. You can move that piece or that piece or this piece, and it's totally up to you which moves you make and when. Some might be good, some might be bad. But the reality of the situation is, for almost every one of us, the guy across the table from you is smart enough and capable enough, no matter what moves you make, to be able to accomplish his plan of winning that game. That's kind of how God's plan works, even in sync with our free will. No matter what moves we make, good or bad, somehow God is able to accomplish his perfect plan anyway. As he says in Romans 8, that all things... He's big enough and powerful enough and smart enough to be able to work together for the good of those who love him, even when bad things occur. But the reality is God doesn't want to be our opponent so that he can win and we can lose no matter what we do. No, what he wants is for us to come over to join him once again on his side 
in order to partner with him in accomplishing his perfect plan in the world. And as he continues to accomplish his plan, he will answer Jesus' prayer, starting with Jesus' own prayer for himself. Remember, in the very first verse of this uh, prayer, when he asked God, the Father, to give him the glory that he deserves so that he could give it back to the Father? No matter what moves you choose to make in your life, Jesus will receive the glory that he deserves from it. But he wants to answer all of his prayer for you right now. And like most things, again, it's hard to fully understand a God that's so much bigger than us, but God's perfect plan for your life is usually accomplished through your cooperation with him. And now, it's time to choose your character. Are you one of those that Jesus is praying for? Jesus was very clear back in verse 9 of this prayer that not everyone that he's praying for at this time is every person on this earth. He's only praying specifically for his followers, for those who had found eternal life in him. And in verse 3, he prays to the Father and reveals the truth of exactly what eternal life is. When he says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You know, it's not some narrow-minded pastor or church organization that originally made the claim that Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus himself said earlier in John, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Have you made the choice to go to where God is as Jesus is praying that you will by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior, the only way to get to God? Or are you still fighting against him, knowing that he's going to win anyway. Now is the time to choose. Will you let Jesus save you from the work that he did on that cross? Even if you don't understand exactly how all that can be and how it all makes sense in God's understanding. Will you let his work that he's already accomplished for you make you his follower right now? Now, if you answered yes, then you are who Jesus was praying for in these moments. And if that's you, if it's a decision that you just made for the first time this morning, we would love to hear from you in the comment section or using the prayer link at the bottom of the page so that we can pray for you too. Let us know that you've just become a follower of Jesus Christ and trusted in his work and your life on that cross. And if you've made that choice, whether just now or years ago, then it's time for you to choose your character as well. Are you God's answer to his prayer on your behalf? And you can answer that by asking these questions. Are you staying connected to the rest of us and making the extra effort that that takes these days of our social distancing, continuing to stay relationally and spiritually connected with each other? 
is your unity and love for others so obvious that people can't help but notice it lately? Have you not only received Jesus as your Savior, but also received from him a reflection of his glory so that he's shining so bright that people in these dark times can't mistake him inside you for anything else? Do you find comfort knowing that you will see Jesus face to face on whatever day he has appointed you to leave this life? Or are you in a position where this virus has you so scared that you're living as low, this life is the only thing that matters? Now, if Jesus' prayer hasn't fully been answered in you yet, you don't have to decide to work harder, to stay connected, to love like Jesus, to shine bright, to live in comfort instead of fear. No. All you have to do to choose to be the answer to Jesus' prayer right here is to also choose to stay connected to him, to let his power work in you and through you, and then his glory will shine from you. You will stay connected to those that he loves because you'll find yourself loving them too. You will love like Jesus to the world around you because Jesus is loving through you. You will find his comfort and his peace will fill you because you're remaining in him. And you'll even find that you know God more tomorrow because Jesus has revealed more of him to you, even if tomorrow is a whole lot worse than today in the circumstances that you face. So we're back to the question. Will you choose to be the answer to Jesus' own prayer? Will you allow God the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to do the work in you that causes God's answer to Jesus' prayer to be you today. Can I invite you in these moments as you're making your choice, as the Holy Spirit is encouraging you to allow him to take up residence in your life, to have more and more control of your life, for, for you to go and where he is and join in the work that he's already doing. Will you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we thank you that in the midst of all the turmoil and challenge and even scary stuff and suffering as a result and that we're seeing around us during these recent days, God, we thank you that you are still in control. You are the one who has overcome the world. And in you, we can have peace no matter how crazy this world gets. God, would you give us the ability this morning, wherever we're gathered, to, to share in this worship experience and hear from your word? Would you allow us, too, to hear from your spirit, to choose that even as you promise to remain in us no matter what, that we would in turn remain in you. Would you let your glory shine through us? Would you create the unity and love in us?
to keep us connected, to, to make it unmistakable the work that you're doing among your people here in northern Michigan and around the world, even in these challenging times. God, would you bring your peace to a situation that goes beyond our human understanding to know how we could find peace? Would you bring us comfort in these moments that would continue, not just for all the days of this crisis, but for every day of our life until that day that we meet you face to face and see your glory for what it truly is. God, may you and the power of your Holy Spirit reveal us to be God's answer to your prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you once again for joining us today. I want to encourage you to continue to let him fill you up and remain in him so that he can shine bright through you no matter what's going on in your world this week.